Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 137, what 1 billion subscriptions means for podcasting. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting and using Audacity. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to podcast with passion, organization, and dialogue. Check out the website at theaudacitypodcast.com, and you can subscribe there, get the old episodes and everything. And I'm going to share with you a few new things that I'm doing with this episode, and those two things are, uh, so it's just two things. One is I'm using, again, the ElectroVoice RE20 microphone. I'm giving you a heads up this time instead of telling you afterward. And also, I am now trying out the YouTube live streaming options instead of using Ustream or Livestream or any services like that. I'll talk about both of those near the end of this episode and also some other things that are coming up. But the exciting thing that Apple announced on July 22nd, 2013 is that they have tracked 1 billion podcast subscriptions. That's a one followed by nine zeros, in case you're in one of those other countries that billion means something else. We don't really know how this number is tracked exactly. Like, does it include the iOS podcast app or does it just include iTunes? I think it's a reasonable assumption that it does include the podcast app for iOS as well as iTunes, But what is not counted into this are if you've used the ITPC link on your site instead of an iTunes store link. So ITPC is where people are subscribed directly into your podcast instead of subscribing through the iTunes listing. So I I have my doubts that iTunes tracks those subscriptions, but they're probably tracking the subscriptions of when someone goes to the iTunes store and click subscribe on a podcast. One billion subscriptions. This is really encouraging to podcasters, and I think it's especially encouraging that Apple is featuring this number. So let's break this down a little bit and what this means for you as a podcaster or a potential podcaster. First, that number, one billion. Think about how big that number is. According to Lex Friedman over at Macworld, Apple says that those billion subscriptions are spread across 250,000 unique podcasts in more than 100 languages, and that more than 8 million episodes have been published in the iTunes store to date. This is very similar to what Leo Laporte shared in the 2013 New Media Expo during his keynote at that conference in January 2013. 250,000 unique podcasts, 1 billion subscriptions. That means if if you were to just completely level the playing field and every episode has the same number of downloads, then at 250,000 unique podcasts, and by the way, that's a small market. Compare that to however many millions of blogs there are out there. But at a quarter of a million podcasts, that would mean... 4,000 subscriptions per podcast. Now, clearly, that's not the actual statistic because some podcasts are really big and have hundreds of thousands of subscribers to them, like those from This Week in Tech or Revision 3 or some of those other really big networks. 
And then some podcasts really don't make it past the first episode or sometimes the seventh episode or somewhere in there. I found a couple podcasts recently that I was really interested in listening to, and they've only had three episodes out there. And then they stopped and they haven't had anything in several months. So I'm thinking they probably are just disappearing. But this number, really a billion, is big for us as podcasters. It's not just a big number. Because it it represents a massive potential audience for us. No, you may not actually get ever a billion subscribers. But think about it this way. Let's make some assumptions on how we can break this up. The number billion represents active and former subscriptions. So that's not 100 active subscriptions right now. That includes if you subscribed to Billy Joe's podcast two months ago and then unsubscribed, that was still tracked as one subscription. Or that's, I think that's a reasonable assumption based on the information that Apple is sharing with us. So if we were to assume that the average listener or viewer has subscribed to 80 different podcasts in their podcast listening lifetime, and that doesn't mean that they've stayed subscribed to 80 podcasts. I am currently subscribed to 80 podcasts right now, but I think of the total number of podcasts I've ever subscribed to, it's probably closer to 120. That's a guess on my part, but I think that's pretty close. So if we were to assume the average person has subscribed to 80 different podcasts over time, then we could, from that calculation, determine that there are potentially one and a quarter million podcast listeners out there. All the potential of finding your podcast in iTunes. That's the other thing to consider, though. This number, one billion podcast subscriptions, is just for iTunes iTunes is only one podcast directory. Yes, it is often pulled from other, uh, by other podcast directories and apps and mobile apps will pull from iTunes in order to populate their own directories. And I don't think those subscriptions would be included in this. I think it's only iTunes and the podcast app for iOS that counts to this. But iTunes is just one place where podcasts are found, iTunes and the podcast app. Just looking at my own stats for Noodle Mix Network, I found that in the month of July 2013, iTunes and the iOS podcast app represents 51.6% of my downloads for all of the episodes that were available in July 2013. So that's about half of my audience So we could very easily apply that same metric to this 1 billion subscriptions and realize this could mean that there are more than 2 billion podcast subscriptions represented out there or podcast uh, podcasts that people listen to faithfully because they may not even be subscribed. I get a lot of people going to my website and pressing play on the website, almost 50%. Sometimes it's more than 50% pressing play on the website in order to listen to the podcast. And they're loyal listeners. They're not subscribed, but they're loyal listeners. So we could say easily, there are potentially 3 billion podcast, quote, subscriptions, unquote, going on out there as people are loyal to a particular podcast and faithful to listen to every single episode, even if they're not necessarily subscribed. So that is huge. 
And that can represent a potential market then for your podcast, not a billion people. Please don't misunderstand it that direction, but still hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people, very potentially. So think about that with your podcast and don't let that discourage you if you only have 20 or 30, 50 subscribers right now, but let that encourage you of how big this market is getting. And especially, here's my second point. Consider, why is Apple featuring this information? Apple doesn't usually announce numbers unless there's something really important or something that they're proud of what those numbers represent. And I think that this announcement from Apple really shows that they have grown more fond of podcasting. You may remember that in the iPod announcements in September on September 1st, 2010, Steve Jobs had lumped podcasts in together with what he called amateur hour. But I think Apple has taken a long step away from that, especially by featuring this, showcasing that a billion subscriptions have been out there for podcasts. And Apple is taking this opportunity to also highlight some of the most popular podcasts. And it's really the typical selection, the podcasts that we've all seen highlighted on just about every top 10 list that's out there. But they're also bringing more attention to the new and noteworthy section. So if you are just on the verge of launching your podcast, now is the time to do it because you'll not only be featured in potentially featured in different new and noteworthy sections, but Apple is even further featuring the new and noteworthy sections because of this 1 billion subscription celebration that they have going on. But also remember that Apple does not directly profit from podcasts yet. Now that's directly. I do think that having podcasts in iTunes is profitable for Apple because it's bringing more people to iTunes and it's bringing more people to the Apple ecosystem, which does result in profit. In my own use of or listening to podcasts, I was on an Android phone and just really frustrated with the workflow of trying to synchronize podcasts between iTunes and my Android phone and the different apps on Android. And it just was annoying to me. So the simplicity of using an iPhone to listen to podcasts instead of my Android phone is was a big, big factor in what helped me finally switch from Android to iPhone. That was for me, and it is that way for many other people, not everybody out there, but certainly the ease of subscribing to, listening to, synchronizing podcast subscriptions, even if you don't use iTunes or any of the official Apple apps, the ease of these apps and beauty of these podcast apps that are out there, I think are attracting a lot of people to the Apple ecosystem. Also realize that when someone goes to iTunes and they search for your podcast name or something related to your podcast, your podcast is listed in iTunes along with many other search results, songs, TV shows, eBooks, many different digital products that people can purchase through iTunes. So having iTunes be a major host for podcasts out there is bringing more people to iTunes who in turn are purchasing things. I've talked about the flip side of this, of how I profit from people subscribing to my podcast and iTunes. I don't profit directly, but all of my links for my different podcast listings in iTunes, like the audacity to podcast.com slash iTunes for the audio version or slash iTunes video for the video version. 
Those are affiliate links. So if you purchase something from iTunes within 72 hours of those of clicking on those affiliate links, if you subscribe to my podcast or just view my podcast in iTunes and then purchase something within three days, I get a small affiliate commission off of that. If you want to learn more about how to do that, check out theaudacitypodcast.com slash iTunes links. So that's making me some money, yeah, within 72 hours, but it's also making Apple more money because it's bringing more people to the store. Podcasts are very much like the lost leader for Apple. If you've done shopping or Black Friday deals or anything like that, then you know about these amazing sales that many stores, grocery stores will do this. Everybody pretty much does it at Black Friday. These amazing deals that get you into the store and their market research shows that if they get you into the store for that amazing deal, you will most likely purchase something else while you're there. Now, that kind of stuff doesn't work on me. And also, in general, millennials are very different in this approach. I'm the type that I go in, I buy that one cent item, and I leave. And that's all I buy is that one cent item. So some of this marketing is a little bit different in this new field and millennials, people my generation that were born and grew up between like 80s and 90s and uh, near the new millennium as well. So Apple is featuring this very prominently. And it's not only bringing more attention to iTunes, but I think it's really bringing more attention to the podcast industry as a whole. Because podcasts are helping Apple sell products and services and purchase from iTunes and all of that, yes. But also, a lot of people are announcing this. A lot of people who may not really have paid attention to podcasts because they were thinking, ah, podcasts aren't that popular, it's amateur hour, as Steve Jobs once called called it. Well, now Apple is saying a billion podcast subscriptions. And I like the way that Jim Cramer, I, I believe he still hosts a radio show or a TV show about investments, but he would often say... A billion here and a billion there, and pretty soon you're talking some real money. Well, when we're using numbers like a billion, that's a big number to a lot of people and realizing, wow, this podcast industry is pretty serious if there are a billion subscriptions out there. So let me use a phrase that Apple has often used, and especially Steve Jobs. What does this mean for us mere mortals? I think it's great that Apple is highlighting this milestone and it's already helping the podcasting industry grow and receive more attention as people blog about this, they podcast about it, it gets in the news, it's featured. Apple hasn't actually published it on apple.com in their news section, but it is in iTunes under the podcast section and that's causing a lot of major tech blogs to write about it and to feature it and they've been featuring it within the last couple of weeks since the announcement came out on July 22nd. But I also think that Apple is reaffirming their support of the podcast industry, that they're no longer lumping this into amateur hour, but they're saying, hey, you guys are serious. We're going to be serious about this too. We've already seen Apple create the dedicated podcast app for iOS. And even though it's not included by default on new iOS devices or as of yet, with new versions of iOS. That is, it wasn't included with iOS 6, certainly wasn't included with iOS 5 because it didn't exist yet with iOS 5. But it does make me wonder, will Apple now include the podcast app with iOS 7 and install it by default on new iOS devices? It's possible, 
I wouldn't necessarily say it's likely, but it is possible. But the podcast app is definitely still featured by iTunes or by Apple that when you get an iOS device and you visit the Apple store or the app store on your iOS device, for the first time, it recommends several Apple apps. You might see in there the iBooks app, the uh, movie trailers app. You'll see several Apple apps recommended first, as well as the podcast app. Flashback to a couple years ago when there wasn't an official podcast app from Apple and podcasts received no dedicated attention. In fact, you could not easily subscribe to a podcast on your iPhone or iOS device unless you bought someone else's app out there like Instacast, Downcast, Stitcher, anything like that. And some of these apps are free, some of them are paid. But now Apple's putting a lot more attention on it by featuring that, hey, here's an app dedicated to podcasts. And now they're saying 1 billion subscriptions. And I I really wish Apple put some chart out that showed how the subscriptions have jumped with the release of the podcast app. Because I certainly use the podcast app on my iPhone. I don't use Instacast, Downcast, any of those other cast apps but I'm using the official app. I'm no longer synchronizing with iTunes though, and I just download podcasts directly to my iOS device. I usually watch videos on my iPad, and I usually listen to audio on my iPhone. Sometimes there's some crossover there depending on where I am and what device I have with me. But I think for the smaller audiences, or the smaller podcasts out there with smaller audiences, this should be encouraging to you. Apple is featuring this more They're pointing out the massive number of subscriptions out there, and I think it can give us hope that this podcast listenership base will only grow at this point. I mean, it's been growing ever since podcasts launched in 2004. The industry has been growing, and it's getting a whole lot more attention recently. And this should also be a reminder to you to make sure your podcast is in iTunes and that you have a really optimized listing for your podcast on iTunes. This is have great cover art, have a great title for your podcast, not just a cute title like The Ramen Noodle, but a descriptive title like The Ramen Noodle Clean Comedy Podcast. Make sure you've got a great description in there that really tells people why they should listen and what they'll get from the podcast, not just who you are and why you're qualified to host the podcast. Also have great episode titles that are unique, that are front-loaded, so that's putting the relevant information front in the title so people aren't scrolling through a list of episode 5, episode 6, episode 7, episode 8, and not seeing what the actual episode is about, but have those great descriptions there. Optimize your listing in iTunes because this is bringing the 1 billion subscriptions announcement is bringing a lot more attention to iTunes. And I really look forward to where this will go as Apple changes their focus or maybe focuses a little bit more on podcasting in the future with iOS 7, with iTunes updates coming out, and with uh, OS 10 updates, and much more in the future. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think about the 1 billion podcast subscriptions. And I just can't say billion without emphasizing it, but the 1 billion podcast subscriptions. Please comment on the show notes for this episode at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 137. I'd love to hear what you think about the 1 billion subscriptions. And if you're not in iTunes, again, please 
let this guilt you into getting into iTunes. I was helping someone recently with their podcast. They were having a problem and they suggested maybe just ignoring iTunes because their feed couldn't quite validate with iTunes. They had a have a bug in their feed. And I'm responding to them saying, no, iTunes is huge. And I'm going to link them to this episode. So if you're listening to this episode and you're that person, hi, be in iTunes. So you should definitely have your podcast in iTunes, especially considering how so many other apps pull from the iTunes podcast directory. And I could see this maybe encouraging even more apps to, instead of host their own podcast directory, to pull from iTunes as well, because they'll realize, wow, iTunes has all of these podcasts. We should just pull from that instead. And many apps have made that decision. So please comment on the show notes to let me know what you think of this announcement as well and how that might affect podcasting. Now, I told you at the beginning that I'm using YouTube for live streaming now. YouTube has just opened this up. They announced live streaming for channels with over a thousand subscribers uh, a little while back, and I was working really hard to try and get more subscriptions. I just hadn't made it yet. But YouTube, Google just announced that now YouTube live streaming is available to all channels in good standing that have more than 100 subscriptions. So this now makes YouTube live streaming a lot more accessible to a lot more people, and it puts it in huge competition with Ustream, Livestream, and all of the other streaming services out there. Because YouTube is free. At least right now, the live streaming is free. You can also choose whether you want commercials in your stream. Just like you can normally with when you upload video to YouTube, you have the option of, do you want ads in this or do you not want ads? And the YouTube player is mobile friendly as well. I really like actually how it works more than Ustream and Livestream. Here's an issue I found recently with Ustream and Livestream video on my own website where I have the site formatted so it's mobile friendly. But if I was looking at my own site on an iPhone, small screen, not my iPad, but just my iPhone, when I would press play on the live video, it would load that video in a new tab and then would take you away from the chat room. And you couldn't switch back over to the chat room and have the video going in the background. Maybe that kind of functionality will change with iOS 7 for iPhones and iPads, but it it just wasn't there on my current iPhone 5 with iOS 6. And using Safari, it was very similar as well in Chrome on my iPhone. But the YouTube player plays on the page, just like it would on a desktop computer or a tablet. It's playing on the page, so it's not loading an extra tab. This even works if you are using the Adobe Flash Media Live Encoder. Even though that says Flash in the name, the video that you're sending out to YouTube is still mobile friendly. So as long as you embed that YouTube player on your site for the live streaming, it is mobile friendly. A direction I don't like that this is taking, and many of the live streaming platforms out there take this similar direction, is instead of now allowing an always-on channel that has scheduled events, YouTube is going the direction of services like Livestream that, at Livestream.com, where you schedule an event and you live stream that event. You can't have a channel that always remains on and you have multiple events on that channel, but you have to create a separate event for each thing that you want to live stream. 
where this really starts to get annoying is uh, when you want to do multiple live streams on the same day. For example, Wednesday nights are usually podcast night for me that during the TV season, fall uh, and through early spring, I will be doing both a live clean comedy podcast as well as a live once upon a time podcast. So two completely different types of content. And if I wanted these to be streamed separately and not just leave a channel open for several hours, but if I wanted to stream them separately, it means I have to create separate events inside of YouTube. It also means that I have to re-embed those videos into YouTube or into my site, that is. So it's not optimal, not my favorite way of doing this, because it especially means I'd have to ask my current viewers to refresh the page in order to see the new player. The YouTube live streaming does have similar features as Google Hangouts on Air, where when I'm live streaming, it's recording directly to YouTube and posting my video there, which will be available as soon as I press stop on this. And actually, while I'm recording right now, I am streaming live to YouTube as well as to the embedded player on my site. But the downside of this is you can't have easy pre-show and post-shows live streamed that don't get published in the recording. That's what I like to do. Normally, I would have the live stream going with music playing and a countdown, and I might hang out afterward for some questions and answers related to podcasting or whatever topic that we're sharing at that moment on the live stream. But with this new system, if I were to do that, then all of that extra stuff, the pre-show and post-show, would go into my YouTube recording. And I would have to edit that on YouTube. Now, I can do that. Yeah, it's very easy. I don't have to download the video and re-upload it, but I can edit it right within YouTube in order to correct that. But it takes a lot of time to reprocess it, and I always have the feeling that it probably reduces some of the quality a little bit. Also, a downside to this is if you want your content to then be published live to YouTube, this does mean that you really need to get your production values and your audio quality live quality really high because you can't just replace a video on YouTube or replace the audio of your video unless you're just posting some music that YouTube provides. So there are some ups and downs to this, but I'm going to continue giving it a try and testing the YouTube live streaming option. And I'd love to know what you think of the YouTube live streaming, both as a viewer and if you watched this video on YouTube instead of subscribing to the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Just comment on the YouTube video and say, let me know that you watched on YouTube instead of listening to the podcast. And if you're not subscribed to the podcast, then go to theaudacitypodcast.com and you can subscribe there to the audio edition as well as the video edition is in iTunes and on YouTube. So let me know what you think, or you can comment on the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 136. Also, I'm using the ElectroVoice RE20 microphone right now, and I've previously had a couple issues with this microphone of more how I was trying to use it. I find myself, because I don't currently have a shock mount and a pop filter, I find myself leaning closer to the microphone, which I can see on my recorder is sometimes causing my audio to peak a bit more. And because I don't have a shock mount on this microphone, it's picking up a lot more desk noise. So I'm trying very hard not to put my hands on my desk, type on my keyboard or anything like that while I'm recording because I'm going to right now wrap my fingers 
on the desk, which I have a an, a Heil PL2T overhead boom arm, which is like a robot arm that's attached to my desk and that's holding the microphone. And the microphone has no shock mount. So note what happens when I wrap my fingers on the desk. I'm just tapping in different places. There is a little bit of noise coming through on the microphone and that's just because I don't have a shock mount, not the microphone's fault at all. But I will be reviewing the ElectroVoice RE20 and RE320 very soon. I'll have different reviews for each of them. And I'd love for you to look out for those reviews. They'll be video reviews. So make sure you're subscribed to the video edition of the Audacity to Podcast, where I give completely different content at theaudacitypodcast.com slash iTunes video, or on YouTube, theaudacitypodcast.com slash YouTube. And of course, it is available on the website that you can view. And many people often wonder, how am I embedding a YouTube video on my podcast when I do a video edition and yet have the podcast player and podcast episode available in the feed, all video, or sometimes I'm doing video and audio? Well, I did a video about how to do this. It's how to embed YouTube videos and podcast episodes with PowerPress. Check it out at theaudacitypodcast.com slash iTunes video or on YouTube at slash YouTube, but also for your convenience, I put the embedded YouTube video in the show notes for this episode, so you can watch it at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 137, and just scroll down to the bottom to find out how to do that, where you can embed both a YouTube video and your podcast episode in your feed, as well as having the download links and play a new window and all of that on your post. And this also works for Vimeo and several other services that WordPress will automatically embed on your site and really any service that gives you an embed code. There are options that you can work with this built into PowerPress, just some things here and there that you need to enable. So I'd love to hear from you what you thought of this content of the Audacity to Podcast and what you think about this 1 billion subscriptions for podcasts and what this means for the industry. Please comment on the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 137. And I'd love to hear your feedback on what you'd like me to cover in future episodes, questions you'd like me to answer, problems you'd like me to share solutions for in the episodes. Email feedback at theaudacitytopodcast.com or call 903-231-2221. You can also go to theaudacitypodcast.com and click or tap on the send a voice message link to record a message right through the website and send it to me. Please follow me on Twitter at the Ramen Noodle, And please remember I'm available for one-on-one consulting to help you launch or improve your podcast. Check it out at theaudacitypodcast.com slash consulting. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go podcast with passion, organization, and dialogue. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. Thank you for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcast to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Like get our Once Upon a Time podcast and upcoming Once Upon a Time in Wonderland podcast. Learn how to move beyond productivity and get productive in your personal and professional life from beyond the to-do list. 
and much more like our clean comedy and more to come at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.